and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. I'm going to preach to you guys today a message that um, has actually been kind of stirring in my heart for about a year. And um, the first time I communicated this message, I actually spoke it to our teenagers at camp um, in July. And then um, when we were in Zimbabwe, I felt the Lord nudge my heart to speak on this. And, uh, and as you know, just kind of just like, Lord, what are you wanting to communicate right now in this season? And I'm going to deliver this same word that I spoke in Zimbabwe to you all today. So if you have a Bible, open up to first Kings chapter 18, first Kings chapter 18. And I want everybody, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, get ready. God might step on your toes. All right. It's getting. I'm just. I'm just letting you know that God's going to do something in this place today for those that are open and willing to hear this message and respond to it. As you're as you're kind of getting there, First Kings chapter 18. Uh, let me just kind of share the theme with you for today. Above all else, God wants to be number one in your life. Above everything else. God wants to be number one, and nothing else should be a close second. In fact, when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What's the first thing he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love him with all. And Satan, our spiritual enemy, since he fell, since he fell, since he deceived from the very beginning of time, he has been trying to take the hearts, the minds, the soul. He's been trying to take them away from God. And he's been trying to get us to serve and worship false gods. And I know that in the world we live in today, we like to think, especially as American Christians, we don't like to think that we serve any false gods. But today, I want to tell you that many of you have been serving false gods. You've been serving things that aren't real, that you've been pledging your allegiance to them. If you're taking notes, one of our key thoughts for today is this. False gods, what they do is they promise you what only the one true God can provide. False gods promise to us what only God can provide. They, they promise us things from relationships. They think, you know, false gods say, hey, if you have a, you know, if you give into this relationship, you'll be happy and I'll promise you a future. And, and so we give everything to relationship. Listen, I'm not saying don't be committed to your spouse or to your family, but oftentimes we place our relationships above God. And then when we have a struggle, we feel, realize that that false God didn't offer us what it said it could or money. Many of us, our false God is money, and money promises us, hey, if you have enough money, you can have enough stuff. And then one day you're diagnosed with cancer, and the doctor says there is no hope, and you realize that money can't provide for you what money was promising. False gods, what they do is they promise us what only God can provide. So today what I want to do is I want to look at the life of Elijah, and I want to look at just a couple of stories. We're going to pro focus primarily on 1 Kings chapter 18, but I want to lay some groundwork to let you know how we get to 1 Kings 18. If there was ever a time in our global world where there was a generation of God's people who were now worshiping false gods, it was during this time. 
They were worshiping many false gods. So it's into this time period that God calls Elijah the prophet. And he has them to confront this man by the name of Ahab. Ahab was an evil king. We looked at him actually a few weeks ago in our message, but Ahab was the most evil king in the history of Israel. In fact, he was the 19th consecutive evil king. And scripture tells us he did more evil in the eyes of God than any king before him. And the people, God's people, the nation of Israel, they are worshiping and serving the false gods. They have given their heart away and they are worshiping these false gods. And what these false gods would do even then is they would promise them, hey, if you worship me, your crops will grow. It's really the same thing that we even see happening to Jesus in the wilderness when Satan was tempting him. Satan saying, hey, if you'll bow before me, I'll elevate you. And that's what false gods do. Their whole goal is to get you to bow to them instead of the one true God. If you worship me, your crops will grow. If you worship me, you'll have a better life. And that's what false gods do is they promise us what only God can provide. So Elijah confronts the king and he basically tells him, because of your idolatry and because you've been leading the people of God away from God, what Elijah tells Ahab is it's now not going to rain. There's going to be no rain. There's going to be drought. And it won't rain until God says it can rain again. And so we see this major drought and people are dying and famine is in the land. It's literally one of the worst things you can imagine. And King Ahab is now mad at Elijah and he wants to kill him. So what God does is he takes Elijah out of this situation and he takes him into a place called the Kareth Ravine. This word Kareth, it means a place of cutting away, a place of hiding. And what God was doing for Elijah is he was taking him into a place of preparation. He was taking him into a place where God could mold him and shape him. And some of you today, that's where you find yourself. God is isolating you and God is hiding you so that he can prepare you for what he wants you to do. But it's this place of cutting away, not physical cutting, like we know of in our world today. It's not a place of physical cutting, but a place of spiritual cutting where God is molding the heart, where God is shaping the heart and God is preparing Elijah for what he's getting ready to do in his life. So I want you to picture this scene. There's drought in the land. God is pulling Elijah out of this situation and he's taking him to a place called the Kareth Ravine. Now at this place, God is providing his every need. He's giving him water. He's giving him bread. He's, he has got, he is Elijah's source. Drought in the land. Elijah's hiding. While he's hiding, not because he was afraid, but because God was molding him. I want you to picture all of this. And God is his source. He's providing and he's meeting his every single need. But one day, The water where God has him, this place called the Kareth Ravine, the water in the stream, the water in the brook dries up. How many of you have ever had a place where your source, where you felt like God was meeting your needs, dries up? And Elijah is in this place where now his source dries up and God tells him, hey, it's time to to move. And Elijah in this place has a decision. Do I obey God or do I stay? 
And I think what's happened in a lot of our lives is we have stayed where God has told us not to stay. We've stayed in a place where God has told us to move. And we're wondering, God, why aren't you moving in my life? Why can't I feel your presence? Why aren't you meeting my needs? It's because God says, I told you to move and you stayed. And so Elijah has this choice. Am I gonna stay where there used to be a source or am I gonna move on to what God has for me? And Elijah, when you look at scripture, you can realize that he takes a step. And so God tells him to go to this place called Zarephath. And in this place called Zarephath, there is a widow who really has nothing but she now becomes Elijah's source. What I want to tell you is no matter where you are, God can be your source if you just trust in him. And Elijah is in this place where he's having to trust God. Remember, it's a season of cutting away. It's a season of molding his heart. And I want to tell somebody today, if you feel like you're on the backside of the desert and God doesn't know where you are and you feel lonely and you feel isolated, I want to encourage you, embrace that time, embrace that season, because oftentimes it's in those seasons that God is preparing our heart and that God is preparing us for what he wants us to do in our lives. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I believe that the Lord has spoke to me and Natasha that God has had us and Destiny Church in these last few seasons in kind of a place of hiding and he's been molding us and he's been shaping us and he's been preparing us for what he wants to do. I believe that God is getting ready to be our source like he's never been. I believe that God is getting ready to do things through this church like he's never done. But what God God does oftentimes before he promotes you is he hides you. Before he elevates you, he lowers you. Why? So he can prepare your heart. And remember, that's what he's doing for Elijah here. Are we getting it? So God has Elijah in this widow's house. She's meeting his needs. And then guess what happens? The widow's son dies. Think about it. Her son dies. Well, remember, God has had Elijah in the backside of the desert cutting and molding and shaping his heart. But remember, if Elijah hadn't have obeyed, he could still be sitting by that river, even though it's dried up. He could still be sitting there complaining, getting angry and mad at God. And that's where a lot of you find yourselves today, watching online or in the room. You find yourself sitting somewhere where God used to meet your need, and now that source is dried up. But Elijah listened, and Elijah's now in this place where it's a widow and her son dies. But guess what? Because God has been molding him, because God has been shaping him, Elijah doesn't have to walk away and say, I can't help you. He tells that widow's son to get up. Listen to me. When you allow God to mold your heart and shape you, you can speak to dead things and call them back to life. And that's what Elijah's doing. He's speaking into dead things, and God is using him. Remember, this was during this season of hiding and preparation. And I really do believe that's what God's doing in a lot of your lives right now. He's hiding you. He's preparing you because he wants to launch you. He wants to use you. We have some decisions to make. Now it's after this season of hiding and preparation. We've been at the Kareth Ravine. We've been at the widow's house. And it's now at this place where God says, all right, Elijah, it's time to confront Ahab again. And here's where we pick up our story that I want to focus in on today. We're about three years into the drought. God's been molding and shaping Elijah and preparing him. 
In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 through 18, you'll see it on the screens behind me. Ahab, we see Ahab and Elijah. Scripture says, when Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? And I just want to pause right here and say, when we find ourselves living in sin and rebellion and contrary to the word of God, we think the people that are following the ways of God are the ones that are causing trouble. But listen to me, Ahab's simply in the place he's in and the people of Israel are in the place they're in, not because of the pastor, not because of the prophet, not because of God. They're in that place because of their sin. And I want to tell you, oftentimes you will find yourself, yes, we serve a God of mercy. And yes, we serve a God of grace. And he loves us and he'll do anything to catch us. But oftentimes God will cause drought to come into your life so that he can reach you. And that's what's happening here. And we complain and we get angry at God when in all reality, it's our fault that we're in the spot we're in. And so Elijah, in modern day language, what Ahab says is, hey, you low down, no good for nothing snake. You're the reason we're in this spot. We blame God. We blame others. When really what we need to do is just sometimes just pick up the mirror and look in the mirror and say, why am I in the spot that I'm in? And listen to what Elijah says to him. Verse 18, I've not made trouble for Israel. It's not my fault. Listen to what he says. But you and your father's family have. Listen to what he says. You've abandoned the Lord. And I just want to speak into this room. I don't want to speak to those watching online. And many of us find ourselves in this season where the Lord is trying to elevate and raise up the church. And listen, he is going to use a remnant. There is going to be a group of people that he's going to raise up. And many of us are looking at God and blaming God. But Elijah looks at them and he says, you've abandoned the Lord. And I want to say to you with as much grace and mercy and compassion as I can, many of you in this room and many of us watching online, it's not God's fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You have abandoned the Lord. You've abandoned the Lord's commands. You've followed Baal. You know what Baal is? It's a false God. You've done it. You are committing the sin of idolatry. You are putting false gods ahead of the one true God. And I want to tell you, I believe the reason the church is in the condition the church is in today is because we have elevated false gods. And I believe even in our own church, even on these, own, on these stages, we have elevated and we have worshiped false gods and we have elevated people and we dance and we worship and we wonder, God, where are you? It's because we've not been giving all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to God, and we've elevated false gods. Amen. This is where we find ourselves. I want to give you a couple of words that I think all of us have heard, but I want to give you some words, and I want to kind of describe them. They are the words monotheism and polytheism. Monotheism is the belief that there is one God. As Christians, we are monotheistic in our beliefs. We believe in one God, and there's only one way to get to heaven, and it's through Jesus, right? That's what we believe. Polytheism, though, is the belief that there are multiple gods, and this is the culture that Elijah is confronting. They are now worshiping multiple gods. God's people are worshiping multiple gods. Now, none of us as Christians, none of us would say, 
you know, we are polytheistic. No, we are monotheistic. We believe in one true God. That's what we do. But even though we believe in one true God, what I want to say is many of us are living what I would call polytheistic lives. We believe in one God, but in reality, we worship and serve many gods. Hello? We say we love God, and we do. I really do think that the majority of people that get up on Sunday mornings and call themselves Christians love God. But I believe we've so distorted our faith over the last several generations that we have elevated false gods to the same level of God, and we worship God on Sunday, but we worship self on Monday. We are monotheistic in our belief system. I believe in only one true God, but we live our lives as if there are many gods. Now, I know we aren't worshiping the false gods of Baal and Asherah. I know we aren't doing that. We've, what we've done is we've made our false gods much more socially acceptable. They look okay. You know, listen, if you were in your house saying, I love God, but you were worshiping Baal, people are going to be like, ah, something's wrong. But listen, when you worship gods, listen to me, that look like all the other gods that everybody's worshiping, it's acceptable. And that's where many of us find ourselves. We are worshiping gods that society has deemed acceptable, and it's even happening in the church. And we're worshiping these false gods, and we're wondering, God, where are you? Are you getting this today? And I'm going to dive into just a couple of false gods, but I want to ask you today before I dive into them is, is the Lord pricking your heart? Do you have any false gods in your life? Are you worshiping anything in your life besides the one true God? What are some things that you could maybe say you elevate above God or even at the same status as God? And I know the majority of us in this room will say things like, I don't serve false gods. And I'll be honest with you, I'm no different than the rest of you, and I would like to say that. I mean, for goodness sake, I'm a pastor. I'm a man of God, right? I shouldn't have any false gods in my life. I shouldn't have anything in my life. I mean, I'm standing on a stage, an anointed spot, doing something for the kingdom of God. I shouldn't have anything else in my life. But sadly, I must tell you, even in my life, I'm just like every single one of you. I have some false gods in my life. I'm not going to go into all of, the, all of these things. I'm not going to break them down. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time. But let me just tell you some false gods that are in my life, some things that I elevate at the bare minimum to the same level of God, and sometimes I elevate them above God. Let me just give you three of them real quick. Number one, one of the main things I elevate above God is my family. And I love my family, and we should love our family. And I should love my wife, and I should love my kids, and I should cherish them above anybody else. Besides God, there, but there are many times in my life where I even take my family or the things that are happening in my family and I elevate them above God. And listen to me, sometimes it's not, it's not stress, it, or it's, it's more like worry. Worry about my wife or my kids, are they healthy or whatever. Listen, if you elevate worry, it's a false God. And we're, if you trust in what the negative thought is more than you trust in God's power, it's a false God. 
And so sometimes I elevate my family and that leads right into my second thing. I sometimes elevate fear and anxiety and worry and that's a false God in my life. Listen, if I'm trusting in what the potential of the negative is more than what God's word said is, I'm not putting God number one in my life. I'm not trusting him. I'm trusting fear. I'm trusting worry. I'm trusting anxiety. I'm trusting doubt. And guess what? If I do that, that is a false God in my life. You know, another one is, and this one's like embarrassing to say, but you know, oftentimes what I do is I elevate this church above God. I elevate my ministry and my calling, the things God's asked me to do. Oftentimes I take that and I put it in a higher place than God. And these are just a few of the things that I find myself struggling with. Ask yourself, what are some of the false gods that you elevate above the one true God in your life? Yes, we are monotheistic in our beliefs, meaning we believe and we say we believe in one true God. But for many of us in this room, we, our practices are very polytheistic. And sadly, it probably depends on the day of the week and who you're hanging out with. On Sundays, it's all about God. But on Mondays or on Thursdays, what day of the week is it? Well, I'm about God that day. What crowd am I with? Well, I'm about this that day. Listen, we should be a light on the hill. We should be the ones that stand out. We should be the ones that look like God every single place we go. In every single environment we're in, we should elevate it. We should lift it up. We shouldn't bow down to the things of this world, but that's what we find ourselves doing. So Elijah is stepping into this culture, and he makes a powerful statement. Let's look at verse 19 through 21. So Elijah says to the king, hey, I want you to get everybody, all the people from all over Israel, get all the false prophets together, get all of Baal's prophets, get all of Asher's prophets, everyone who eats at Jezebel's tables, he said, get them all together. And so Ahab, verse 20, tells us that he assembles everyone. They gather at this place called Mount Carmel. And then verse 21, we're going to see this on the screen. It's going to be in the message translation, but I want to read it to you first from one translation. We're going to look at, then we'll look at it at the message And Elijah goes before the people and he says, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long? The Message Bible says it like this, and you're wondering, what's this fence on the stage for? Listen to what the Bible says. How long are you going to sit on the fence? How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is real, follow God. If your false God is real, if it's Baal, Make up your minds. It's like Joshua said, as for me and my family, we're deciding in the one true God. But don't you keep this scripture on the screen? I want you to look at this. How long are you going to sit on the fence? How long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to act like Jesus on Sunday and the world on Monday? How long are you going to play games? How long are you going to live in two different worlds? How long are you going to play for two different teams? How long? How long are you going to sit on the fence? How long are you going to act like Jesus on Sunday and the devil on Tuesday? How long? 
You say, Pastor Chad, this is a culture where maybe I shouldn't, I, I really don't know. This is, I think this is speaking directly to us today, right here in the American church, right here in the world. We're straddling the fence. We're riding the fence and we, and we can just hop back and forth and I can look like the church on Sunday. And let's, listen, I remember when I was a kid, I knew how to worship as well as anybody. So those two people or my grandma didn't get on to me and I could worship, but then I could live like I wanted to on Monday. But listen to me, that's where a lot of us are. We know what it looks like to worship on Sunday and shout on Sunday, and then we live like the world on Tuesday, and God is calling out the church, and I don't believe this is God, Elijah speaking. I believe it's God speaking directly to the church, saying, how long are you going to ride the fence? How long are you going to play both sides? How long? When I was a youth, when I was a kid, my youth pastor, his name was Dave Mawalo. He was an Italian have you ever had somebody that had really bad breath and when they talked to you they didn't have barriers and they just kept getting closer and closer in your face and he had horrible breath and he'd get in your face and talk to you and you had two choices step back or just not breathe and so I remember there'd be many times like all right don't breathe or I'd step back and he'd just get closer and you're like just dude do you understand but I remember he would look at me and say Chad he said either God's real or he ain't Make a decision. And just kept saying that. And I wasn't a real big guy when I was a kid. I was, as a freshman in high school, I was five foot tall and weighed 95 pounds. And it was in that era, in that time period, where I was just a pretty small guy. And he picked me up one day. If, he, if you did this as a youth pastor today, you're probably going to jail. But he picked me up by the shoulders and kind of pinned me against the wall. Yeah, I couldn't step back. I lost all breath. I'm sitting there and he's just talking in my face. But I remember he's like, how long? How long are you going to ride the fence? He said, either he's real or he isn't. And his famous thing he would always say is, you need to be sold out and radical. And I remember even as a kid, I remember that 12 to 13, I made that decision. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in for Jesus. And I just want to challenge us today. How long are we going to ride the fence? And what I'm getting ready to say to all of you today, maybe you're going to think, well, I've never heard a pastor say this. But I just want to speak to you guys directly from the heart. If you think that your false God, the thing that you serve, if you think that can save your eternal soul, then why are you riding the fence? If you think your false God can save you, then go all in on your false God. I mean, that's what my youth pastor would tell me. Either he's real or he isn't. If he's not real, Chad, just go all the way in for what you want to go in for. I had to make a decision. If you want to live for God, go all in for God. If, you're, if your false God can save you, then go all in for your false God. And like I told you, I just spoke this message in Zimbabwe, but I just want to challenge you, you know, from Zimbabwe to America, to India, to anywhere in between, we need to make a decision. Is he God or is he not God? Quit going back and forth. I, I guarantee if Elijah were standing on this stage today, if we had the opportunity to call the prophet Elijah to be our guest speaker, he would look at the American church and he would say, quit riding the fence, quit wavering, make a decision. Are you going to serve God? Are you going to serve the world? Choose today. You can't have God on Sunday and the world on Tuesday and still call yourself a Christian. You can't, you know, have the world all you want to. And then when you have a need, say, oh God, I need thee. 
Make a decision. Are we in or are we out? Quit wavering. Quit being a Christian around me and a, and a different person around a different crowd. Quit being a Christian on Sunday and then like the world on Tuesday. Make a decision. Get off the fence. Quit playing games. Choose today. Are you in for God or are you out? If your false God can save you, go all in on your false God. But if it's God that's God, then go all in on God. Make a decision. And so what I want to do today is I just want to kind of just, I want to give you three or four just socially acceptable false gods. And I might shock you, but I just want to tell you, if you're fa- if one of these false gods, if you think it can save you, then quit, quit coming to church. Literally, quit coming to church, quit worshiping God, and just go all in on one of these. So let me just give you a couple of socially acceptable false gods that we serve anywhere from Africa to America to Asia, anywhere in between. Material possessions, stuff. Listen to me, if stuff, if accumulating things is the most important thing to you, if you think material possessions can save you, if you think a bigger house and a nicer car and more clothes and more toys and more gadgets, if you think that's the answer, then just go all in on stuff. Stop being generous in the house of God. Stop being a tither. Stop being a giver. Don't give to foreign countries. Don't give to charities. Just give to yourself because if you think that having more stuff is the answer to your life, then why would you give anything away? Just make a decision. If stuff is the answer, then go all in on stuff. If that's your God, then go in on it. Another one, another socially acceptable God is your image. If I've ever looked at a generation that was about what they look like, I'm looking at it today. Look at social media. It's all about image. I'm talking about your fear, your physical appearance We are the most narcissistic group of people I've ever seen. We're all about what I look like. We're all about our image. Listen to me. If you think what you look like is the thing that's going to save you, then by all means, nip it, tuck it, lift it, whatever you got to (laughs) do. Seriously, I mean, like, whatever you got to do, lift weights, go on diets. If you think that that's the thing that's going to elevate you, then go all in on your image and post pictures of yourself every single day so everybody can tell you how good you look. If your image is the most important thing to you, then go all in on your image. Are we getting it? Sexual pleasure. Hello, this is a big one. If you think that sex is the thing that can elevate you, and save you, and get you into heaven, and then by all means, totally disregard what the word says about marriage, and sleeping with one person for life. Totally disregard that, and go all in on sex. If you think sex is the answer, then go all in on it. If you think that it doesn't matter, sleep with a guy, sleep with a girl, sleep with both, it doesn't matter. If sex is the answer, then go all in on sex. Is this okay to do this today? (laughs) listen go all in on it if this is the answer whatever your false god is go all in on it reputation 
If you think what people think about you is the most important thing and it's the thing that can elevate you and save you, then do everything you can to make people like you. Do everything you can to make people say good things about you because if your reputation is the most important thing, do whatever it takes. Listen to me, whatever your false God might be, if you think that's the most important thing in your world, if you think your false God is your savior, then quit wavering, get off this church fence and go all in on the world. But... If God is God, which let me just put a little disclaimer in here. I believe God is the only answer. He's the only way. He is the truth. He is life. There is nobody besides God. But if God is the answer, if Jesus, the son of God is the one true son of God, then get off this fence that the world says you need to ride on and go all in on Jesus. Quit wavering, quit playing games. Don't just claim that you know him on Sunday and live the rest of the week like he doesn't exist. Don't do the world thing Monday through Saturday and the church thing on Sunday. Go all in on God all the time. Let me ask you again, how long are you gonna ride this fence? How long are you gonna play games? How long? are you going to waver between two opinions? So let's look back at Elijah, verse 23. Elijah says, hey, get two bulls for me. One bull for you, one for, you, for me. And we're going to build a couple of altars and we're going to make a sacrifice. And listen to what verse 24 says. You call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of my God and the one who answers by fire, he is God. Now something I just, you know, when you... <laughs> Like read scripture and you kind of remember things, but something I kind of forgot about is, you know, the people had to be thinking, Elijah, this doesn't make sense because Baal is the sun God. He's the God of fire. And Elijah is challenging the God of fire to see who, which God can build a fire. That's what he's doing here. And so the people have to be thinking, uh, you're going to lose. Look at verse 26. The prophets of Baal, they took their bull and they prepared it. Then they called on the name of their God from morning till noon. And I want you to picture this scene. You can read it. They're dancing. They're shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, false God, answer us. But the Bible says there was no response. No one answered. Imagine this. The God of fire can't build fire. So they dance some more and nothing happens. And I love the message translation of verse 27. Elijah starts messing with them. Listen to what he says. Call a little louder. He is a God, little g, after all. Maybe he's off meditating somewhere. Maybe he's gotten involved in a project. Maybe he's on vacation. You don't, you don't assume your God has overslept, do you? And they prayed louder and louder. One translation, it actually even says, maybe your God's on a bathroom break. But I want you to catch this next line. This is really something that spoke to my heart. Cutting themselves. I want you to remember something. Elijah doesn't have to cut himself because he, God has already been cutting away at him. Do you hear me? See, many of us, what we do is we try to, when we need God, 
we don't physically cut ourselves, but that's when we try to like, okay, God, here I am. And we try to perform and we try to do and we try to be. You see, Elijah didn't have to perform. Elijah didn't have to do. Elijah didn't have to be something because he's already been sitting by the backside of the desert, just allowing God to mold and shape his heart. And when God puts you away and God hides you and God prepares you, then you can step onto the scene that God needs you at and God can use you. And we see that that's what's happening here with Elijah. He doesn't have to cut himself. He's simply prepared. And listen, these false prophets, they are now covered with God, with blood. This went on till well past noon. And they use, listen to this, every religious trick. And nothing happens. Not so much a whisper or a flicker of response. And this is where many of us are. We dance, we cut, we worship, we serve our false gods. And we wonder, where is God? Why isn't God moving in my life? It's because we're straddling the fence. And that's honestly what I'm challenging today as I close. Let's make a decision. Quit straddling the fence. Quit wavering. Go all in on God. Quit serving to gods. And they dance and they cut and nothing happens. And look at verse 36. Elijah steps forward and he prays. And listen to what it says. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, and of Israel, let it be known that you are God. You are God and that I am your servant. And listen, he's speaking now about the people of Israel. And he says, answer me, oh Lord, so that these people will know that you are God. And listen, and that you're turning their hearts back again. And here's what I believe God is saying to the American church. Repent while there is still time. Repent while there is still time. Turn your hearts back to me. Get off the fence. Quit playing games. Quit wavering. Quit straddling. Make a decision. Are you for God or are you against God? Like he said in Revelation chapter 3, I wish that you would either be hot or be cold. I wish that you'd either serve me or serve false gods is what he's saying. Because if you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. And sadly, and I'm not throwing stones, but I feel like if the Lord came and judged the church today, he would reject many of us because we're living in the middle. We're lukewarm. We're choosing the way of the world one day as in the ways of God another day. And I'm challenging you as your pastor. And I'm saying, get on board with God and make a decision. Get off the fence. Choose this day. Who are you going to serve? But I love what Elijah says here so that these people would know that you are God. If I have one prayer for you as your pastor, my prayer is that you would know that you know that you know that you know that he is God. Be still, the Bible says, and know that he is God. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. My heart today, church, is that we would know God intimately, that we would know him in the fire, and that we would know him in the flame, and that we would know him in the mountain, and we would know him in the valley and that we would know him on Sunday and that we would know him on Tuesday. My prayer, my heart, my desire is that you would know that you know that you know God. Not like you just heard about him, but you know him. See, the problem I think with a lot of us in church is we know about God, but we don't know God. You see, Tosh and I, we can't, we can't be intimate. And they were listen to me. I, I, there would have never been babies without intimacy. And there has to be relationship there. 
And there, for there to be fruit in your lives from God, there has to be intimacy. And for you to know God, you have to get close to God. And listen, I can't know God unless I get close to him. I can't hear his whisper unless I get close to him. I want you to know that you know that you know God with everything inside of you, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's my desire that you know God. And listen, so this story goes on and I close. Elijah prays and fire from heaven falls. Elijah prays and fire from heaven falls. You know why fire was able to fall? It's because Elijah had let God cut away at his heart. Elijah had been on the backside of the desert and let God do what only God can do. And today I'm challenging us. Let's get away with God. Let's hear from God and let's see fire from heaven fall from heaven. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.